This conversation was special. Since recording the podcast, both Dave and I have commented to each other how impactful we found this particular conversation. And editing for myself was mind-opening. Um, it was funny, we started the, the chat not really knowing where it was going to go. We were sort of sitting there a little bit distracted, a little bit confused, and we were tossing some ideas around what we could discuss. Um, but we kind of just let the conversation take hold and we started talking about um, the concept of endurance and uh, psychological endurance but where we kind of navigated to really rawly and organically was essentially how to change how to rewrite the script how to practice the person that we want to become and we see training as this really beautiful vehicle that can allow us to go through this transformation and the physical is definitely something that we're really really interested in and passionate about but there's way more to this training thing particularly from our opinion we think there is um, than has met the eye so i personally really hope you enjoy this conversation and i hope it kind of sparks some creativity curiosity and some thoughts um, and I'd love for you to share what you got out of this podcast, share it with us, others if you found it really valuable um, and just to connect with you on these weird and wonderful topics that I find very, very empowering and useful. So enjoy the show. Uh, yeah. Dude, I mean, um, I've been listening to, uh, you know, Ned Brockman, that dude that ran across Australia. Yeah. I've been listening to some of his stuff lately. He came up on... Um, uh you know cameron haynes that bow hunter dude yeah yeah i hadn't really heard of his stuff either but they just did a podcast together and it was actually really good and i hadn't really i like i knew what he like i knew he'd like gone across australia and shit and but he's actually pretty interesting dude like i didn't really i hadn't really consumed a lot of his content at all um but one of his they were like got any wise quotes for us in this podcast and he's like he's like run hard root fast whatever you do don't come last <laughs> <laughs> that's um, the most Aussie fucking thing you can say. That's hilarious. Cameron Hayes is like, I don't really get it, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. But he's a weapon. He's a fucking weapon, eh? Yeah. So what were your what were your like things that you found surprising about his um because I've not listened to too much with him. I've seen like a little bit of fast Instagram content, but I haven't consumed mm. anything in length. Yeah. Um, he's actually pretty well spoken. I, I guess he, he's still pretty young. I think he's like 23, 24, maybe. Um, mm. But I was thinking about, it's just so funny, like in Australian culture, how, you know, like, I think especially with sporting culture in Australia as well, like how much we idolize like footy players and especially, you know, growing up as a male and like how much of that culture is just so, like so much, so much of it's on like a throne, you know, like, mm. and um i was thinking about with him like because he's got like a massive following now and he's just like this dude from out in the country um i can't remember where he's from but it's he's he's from like a farmer i guess his dad's a farmer and he's just like a real true blue guy who's just getting it done you know like just putting in the like just doing something real hard, hard. yakka yeah exactly and like everyone's like fuck yeah this mother like everyone just loves it you know um, I suppose it's just like that particular character. And I was speaking to 
John about this. Like he would, he he basically said he's like done an amazing job of building a character. Yeah. Oh, and for sure. It's like yeah. the quintessential Aussie character. And like you look at, <laughs> yeah, look at all of our heroes, or not all of them, but like a lot of our heroes have been characterized in the past by like having a really hard like work ethic, but being like super casual and like charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a, it's like a nonchalant way of working mm. hard. Yeah, it is. Hey. And it's just like, it's so, um, like just matter of fact as well like or even it's just so like simple there's like Mm -hmm. no fuck around with it but yeah i um oh yeah i didn't like he's yeah he's got got a fair bit of fair bit of capacity on him eh? running 100k a day for what was like 47 days something pretty fucking that's a lot that's so much I kind of like, I can kind of, I can see it from like a a physical perspective. I'm like, yeah, like he's, he's a very capable individual, but like capacity on that front doesn't necessarily always lead to outcome. Mm, Tell me about that. What do you mean by that? And it's something that I've kind of resonated with for a while. And and I kind of, it kind of always came up for me in footies, whereas like I was always one of like the strongest, fittest athletes in training. And then like you convert it to footy and you see it heaps in rugby. It's like, <laughs> you'll see like the little halfback who like is the weakest person on the team, just absolutely deck someone like multiple times <laughs> a game. It's just a complete beast animal. And like, there's just something wired in there that's so different. And I used to see it all the time in guys that I played with, like they would mm. be like pathetic in training. And then come game day, that would be a star. They'd just crush it. They'd kill it. They'd just be able to turn it on in a way that no one else could. Yeah, for sure. I think you say that with like a lot of sports, like especially especially where the training is not the sport as well. Yeah. yeah like yeah, yeah. CrossFit, weightlifting. It's a bit surfing. different. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff. Like it's a training sport. Like basically the training looks like the sport kind of thing. Um, but yeah, someone wanted to say like about that Ned dude as well as like, I find it really interesting about like, it's such a crazy thing that he's done, like physiologically speaking. Um, but you know, like building yourself up to that, that kind of stage where you're doing something like that, there is like a certain, I feel like there's a certain thing where it's you need to be kind of like like you, you can't overthink it is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, and I feel like that re- is really attractive to people as well. Like when you go out and say like I'm going to mm-hmm. do this thing, um, it's like a really simple way to express like this particular trait about yourself kind of thing Mm. and and i feel like that is really like or even like even like you know he's hanging out with cam haynes and they did this like and like cam haynes is like animal as well like he's got you know doing ice bars and shit at like midnight whatever and then running like 30 like they did like they they literally did this session where they like got an ice bar it was like 12 o'clock and then 
they ran for like eight hours or some shit. And then they went and shot bows for like another couple of hours or whatever. And then they did like a lifting session. So they've done like a 18 hour like session basically. And then they're like recording the podcast at the end kind of thing. Imagine that. Oh yeah. But even like, I don't know for myself, like I was thinking about this, like it does, I, I guess there's definitely like a genetic component to all that kind of stuff as well with being able to tolerate that kind of, you know, physical capacity or physical like pain and stress. But there's also like, you've got, I think you've got to be really good at like interpreting the signals from like your body and then also like what your mind is telling you as well, Mm. you know? Cause I, I would bet that like anyone doing that, anyone who like starts one of those journeys where they're, you know, like doing like a really, it's usually, I think it's, I, I guess it's usually like an endurance thing, right? Like you see people like doing crazy long runs or like, or even Ross Edgley, like swimming around fucking Great Britain and shit like that. Like there's really outlier events that people, and like usually, like typically they're not like, they're just like, you know, regular Joes that start it as well. Mm. Like they're not, it's not typically, I'm trying to think of examples. I'm saying this, it's not typically like a, an athlete that goes and decides to do it. They're like, as in they're like known for an athlete and then they go and decide yeah. to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, and I think that's where the endurance <laughs> world can kind of let you in, in a sense. It's like, if you mm. want to go and be like an Olympic sprinter or an Olympic weightlifter, there is like much more genetic component to it than something for an endurance event unless Mm. you're say competing like i don't know in the olympic marathon or something like that or you're like the elite iron man thing because i think it's just like a matter of like you can just keep going further and that is by by itself a more impressive achievement versus like doing the thing faster because it's more like a most people won't go there so there's like this threshold where like you step over it and you've kind of, you're just in uncharted territories. Like you haven't necessarily been any more physically gifted. You've just like persevered that little bit longer than someone else. Yeah. And that is a very admirable trait. I think like, that's why we, like we glorify people like Ned Brockman. He's done something. He's persevered far longer than most people will ever like even contemplate doing. Mm. Yeah. These are like more K's in a day than most yeah. people run. Cause you like, could look at like all the runners in Australia <clears throat> mm. And there's, I don't know, like I'm just numbers off the top of my head. He's probably in like, maybe he's in the top 1% of like say marathon distance runners, but there's probably like, yeah, a thousand people better at him at running like a marathon. Yeah. Like speed wise, you mean? Speed wise. Yeah. Like they're better runners than him, but Mm. they haven't gone and done that thing. Yeah. 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 I think that's maybe what what I was trying to say earlier is like these feats of like, really like pushing your mind to a certain place because at that stage yeah like we we could both train for a marathon and, and achieve it you mm. know like there's no doubt in my mind we could, like it wouldn't really be really be that fun but like there's no doubt in my mind we could do that mm. but if you turned around and said to me like we're gonna run across the street <laughs> i feel like i don't know about this man like it sounds like a bit of a silly idea um <laughs> <laughs> but we'll probably get some some famous from it, I guess. Maybe not anymore. Ned's already done it. It's like old news. But anyway, the 
back to the point. Um, yeah, there's like, so you, we could get like biologically fit enough or physiologically fit enough to run a marathon, right? Like we have the joint capacity, cardiovascular capacity, like whatever. But then it's like, and then, yeah, as you're saying, like you're getting, if you're like an elite runner, then you're getting faster, you're getting more efficient, you're getting like your time is, you know, your work capacity is increasing, your time is decreasing when you're doing that event. Mm. But then it's like, yeah, if you're doing these like insane outlier endurance feats or whatever it is, whatever you want to call them events, then it's like the mental aspect of it really starts to outstrip your physiological capacity. Mm. And then that's where it's like, what, like, how do you build that resilience for yourself, but also, you know, not just be an idiot and like run yourself into the ground, you know? Mm. um because like even like my immune system is pretty shit i was thinking about this this morning i woke up and i was like a bit sick and i was like i've done like one session this week and anyway i was like i was like sitting on the couch having coffee and i was like about to pull the pin on training i was like i'm just feeling like had a rough as sleep blah blah just feeling sorry for myself and then um i was like fuck it i'm just gonna like I just need to go and get trained on. And I feel fine now. Like I'm tired, but I'm not like, mm. you know, I'm not sick or anything, but <clears throat> it's a fine line to know where to make that call sometimes with like, is your brain just trying to keep you on that couch and keep you safe? Mm. Cause it's going to preserve your survival at the end of the day. Or is it like, actually I'm hurting here. Like I need to, you know, I need to rest or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think like the like those kind of events, it's kind of an interesting scenario because almost, you know, almost 100% of those events are going to be putting that individual in a place where they're very much damaging their physiology in some capacity, right? Mm. Well, that was like for him, he wasn't able, he was like cooked for, I think he's still like suffering. He's still cooked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's got like mad adrenal fatigue. He said he had like, but like in this podcast, I was listening to, he's, he's like, I've got bursitis in any, everything below the waist kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Imagine yeah. getting ball sack bursitis. But um, <laughs> just from swinging along the road. Didn't even have a bursa there. Now he's got a bursa. Poor <laughs> <Or> bloke. <laughs> uh, rough time. But yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking, um, yeah, like the, I think that trainable aspect of like knowing when to listen to your body and then when to shut your mind off, like that's a really interesting sort of balance. And I think it's a very individual process for everyone. Um, but yeah, like when do you listen to your body and when do you, mm. when do you shut it off? You know? Well, like something that just <clears throat> came up for me then was, I would consider myself to be, and I would consider yourself as well, to be someone that's relatively aware of those internal signals mm. compared to a lot of people. Um, and it's almost like to, if we were to go and do that process, it would be at our detriment to be aware of those things. Yeah, for sure. You know, like, cause you're, you're able to like, um, think about them more in more detail. You've got like maybe more language around them. So you're interpreting these things and you're going and yeah, like you're saying, you're saying before, like you probably know from like a 
safety perspective that it's not the best decision to do it. Mm-hmm. And like when you're, when you're kind of sitting there knowing that it's not the best decision to do it, then you're saying yes to doing something that you don't think you should do. Whereas I feel yeah. a lot of people that are like, oh, not a lot of people, I feel that these outliers, like they have a good amount of awareness, but they also have a really good way of turning that awareness off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my question, I was thinking of a question before, is like, what do you think? Like you look at someone like a like a Goggins and Ed Brockman, mm. um, who would be like another outlier that's done something pretty insane like that. Generally, like in the endurance world, and I'm thinking like, what is it that like if is it like an experience they've had it younger? Is it like something about their their nurture that's like shaped this person that is able to like think mm. in this way or not think in this way? Um, because I don't know if you can necessarily train it to that extent. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at earlier. I think um, I was also thinking like, you know, it's funny when you like, if you have someone who's relatively fresh in a training and like you get him into a session in the gym and it's like conditioning session, or whatever, like you, you almost need to like teach him how to hurt in the first, mm. you know what I mean? Like it, it's not, not in a bad way, but like, they just don't know how to go there yet. Like they don't know how to push their, their bodies hard. They don't know how to like shut. And I, I think what you're saying, like that process where they're starting to, you know, they get on the assault bike. Everyone's fucking done this. They get on the assault bike, start doing their 20 cows or whatever. And like, it's hurting. Like it starts to mm-hmm. hurt. Like their legs are burning and shit. And they're like, what do I do with these negative thoughts and these negative yeah. signals, you know? Yeah. And like for me and you, like we know that's going to go away. Like, you know, if, if our legs are fucked on the bike, I know that I can, you know, I, I know how much time I've got until that yeah. tanks out. Yeah. Know how to deal with that. Um, and I think like a lot of that is just like, um, I was even, I was sort of coaching someone through this process recently with like, you sort of had these like emotions coming up with training of like, this shouldn't be hurting, you know, like expectation mismatches with where he was at or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, don't like the, the guys that are really good that are ahead of you that are beating you in competition. It's not that they don't have those emotions. They don't have those mm-hmm. negative thoughts. They just know how to deal with them better. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And like everyone has the same experience. Like, yeah, people are fitter and stronger or less fit, less strong, whatever. But it's still the same like sens- like sensory experience for them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's just like, I feel like they just know how to deal with it better or they know like, yeah. okay, when you start, like if you're in an event, you start doing a, a movement and it starts to burn. You're like, okay, this is okay. Like I know mm. that this is part of, you know yeah this is part of what's going to happen and i'm not going to die here yeah and that like you can practice that totally yeah 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 so i i reckon like one component of that is the trainability of that is like exposing you know that that like those micro doses of really high stress Mm. with the purpose of like learning how just to put yourself in that environment that is that learning experience to be able to like build the platform to then sit those negative emotions on when they come up, mm. not just like completely ignore them or like fight with them. Cause then it's like creating more angst and like more anxiety and you just don't know what to do with it kind of thing. 
but that deeper layer of like training where it's like i'm suffering through this you know or this is really uncomfortable right now but i know putting myself like in this hard position like doing the hard thing or whatever like that's like it's almost like you need to make it hard sometimes because that's what's going to give you the right like emotional um armor to then like know what to do with it in the future Mm. yeah a thought i just had come up then was like i think like if you want to get good at something like say let's use like the the cross the crossfit's a good example here okay so i want to get good at the sport of crossfit um there's like a real method to the progressions and like you're exposing yourself to this hardship over time but it's in a way that's like productive it's Mm. moving like your physiology forwards whereas Mm. i think what i would say like the outliers in this scenario like brockman goggins and that Mm. i don't necessarily think that it's like a real methodical way of making them better i think Mm. that there's something like that they've tapped into that's like hardwired within their personality and their like spirit as a person of like like they're able to go into that hardship much more effectively, but it's not like they're any more physically capable. So like an example in like the CrossFit space would be, okay, so you've got someone that's going, that goes to the games and like, yeah, they can endure a whole heap of shit. And it's like, they're very, very mentally and physically durable. Mm -hmm. But then you also probably have the guy that can do like, I don't know, like six marathon rows back to back or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. And like the CrossFit athlete would be like, okay, that's not productive, a productive use of my time anymore. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's like purely just a psychological warfare at that stage. Yeah. And that's where I think the endurance space is. There's a lot of people that are just Mm. like, okay, I'm just going to do more. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more, but I'm not getting any better. Yeah. 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 In the, in the terms of like, maybe they've like their physiology is obviously changing if they're going further, but it's not like it's not a, a point, right? No, it's not the point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think, um, yeah, it's like a different sphere that you're in. And yeah, I guess like that's where it's like, you know, in training we have these like ways we can develop our mindset around training and how to make it productive and blah blah but yeah i think you're right i think it's like it's almost like you need to wipe all that shit off the table if you if you're doing you know one of those crazy events or one of those ultra long distance um feats of exercise and it's like all that Mm. it's like you're rewriting the rules kind of thing like all that shit yeah is completely off the table it's like you got to like develop a new code of conduct kind of thing with yourself yeah i heard I, I don't know who said it i heard someone frame endurance in the space of like like to train for an endurance event is to put yourself in the position to go somewhere where like your physiology can't go mm. and that is like and they coined that that was that's endurance yeah it's like you're yeah, going like past that. the point that you're capable of going you're now like that's where endurance kind of starts yeah fuck that's because if you're capable of doing it you're not really like yeah sure yeah you're not really enduring yeah like you're just testing your capacity at that stage yeah that's true exercising your capacity i should say yeah or maybe exercising your endurance versus like like expressing the thing exhibiting it yeah yeah exhibiting it yeah 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 i definitely i think yeah that's like a 
that's 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 totally bang on like you're either training you're either expressing it as like a or sorry you're either exercising it mm. and it's in you it's within your capacity or you yeah yeah you're enduring and you're pushing over like beyond what your body's sort of supposed to be capable of doing or whatever mm. where do you think the line is with like you know practicing that stuff in terms of because i think i think to build up to something like that like a big endurance event then you kind of have to be riding the line of those two things a little bit like mm. if you're constantly overreaching and constantly you know enduring then i think that would be wouldn't get there yeah you wouldn't get there yeah mm. but then it, yeah as you said like if you're just training and exercising all the time you're also probably not going to have that mental mm. capability built yeah that's the like i'm sure you could probably say you're doing it in a lab you could do it in like a really methodical way mm-hmm. but like a that's not the reality for most people and then yeah b that's where i kind of think of like programming as an art form like mm, i was about to say that <laughs> yeah yeah, you could have like the perfect scientific prescription, but then I like deliver it or I do it and it's so different mm. than how it was actually intended or written to be and in this like controlled parameter um, within these controlled parameters. And that's where like as an individual, you have to be really good at intuiting those signals that we spoke about before. Mm. It's like it's knowing when to say no and knowing when to say yes. Yeah kind of thing and i i guess like from like a program standpoint like there has to be those things built in at times and i i guess that's why like we've both resonated with the idea of like auto-regulated training for a long period of time mm. is like it's giving like the opportunity is there to like dip into that space mm. like the, the testing space if you're ready for it or you just like go back into the training space and i think then like if you're constantly going into the training space all the time then you'd have to start asking questions or like, why am I not able to go to that place? Is it a factor of like, I'm energetically, I don't have the resources to go there Mm. or psychologically, I'm just avoiding it. Like I don't want to do it because it's hard and it hurts and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I think decision-making and training is really critical for like progression. Right. Mm. And also one thing that springs to mind there for me is like, you know, we both competed in sports like CrossFit, blah, blah. Where does like I think competition is like an interesting concept that falls into that you know ecosystem of your development because I'm thinking about now because like um, like I did a session on Monday for instance which was just like I just like I was feeling kind of crummy going into the gym and I just had a an intention of just like I need to hurt myself here not in like not like not as in like unwrap three hundred kilos (laughs) (laughs) oh my back it's gone. Yes, I did it. I can leave now. Like kick, I'm like stubbing my toe as hard as I can on the wet, like <laughs> dropping my dropping the plates on my fingers. <laughs> like you know when you you know when you unrack your bar, oh, that's the most painful you thing. Pinch your finger, just doing that for like reps. <laughs> At least you'd be mentally tough. Oh, exactly. You'd, you'd probably yeah. be able to run across Australia next week. <laughs> <laughs> How did you do it? Just slammed my fingers in a bunch of weights. Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> You're an animal. <laughs> oh, 
Oh fuck! Or like you know when you like you you do it like you're picking your nails and you get that little like oh. light thing and then you go you're like oh this will come off and it just goes like <laughs> just like <laughs> takes your finger off. It's the worst. <laughs> anyway, um, damn, where was I going with that? You went into yeah. the gym. You needed to hurt. Like you felt like I you had needed to hurt to myself. Do hard, hurt yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, because like I'm prepping for Torian in a few weeks. And I know there's going to be scenarios in that in that situation where it's going to be really sh- like I'm going to be hurting, and I mm. need to be like I need to deliberately put myself in scenarios where, like it is, it's kind of similar, I guess. Mm. Um, so where I was getting to with that is like the intention and the lens that I'm viewing training through at the moment in just like this sort of you know micro cycle of training them in with like prepping for Tori and whatever is that I need to be organizing my physiology around the demands of what i need to be doing in a few weeks and so the things that like and i think that's where you're getting at with like the art of program design it's like that mental aspect comes in pretty heavily when you have that intention behind your training and like regardless of yeah like regardless of whether you're like operating anaerobically or aerobically or like zone two three or four like fuck whatever there's like if you can, if you know, like what the, not even the goal of the session, but just like what, how that session fits into, you know, maybe the shorter term of where your goals are at. And then like the longer term in your training, then I think that's when you know how to ride that line of whether Mm -hmm. you're enduring, like you're trying to push your physiology, sorry, push your physiology past where it's capable for the purpose of training your mind. Or it's like, no, we need to do like a, a um, longer, easier session for like mm. aerobic development, you know? Mm. <clears throat> How do you, and this is like, I don't have an answer to, do, to this, which is kind of like, I'm just putting my hand up here. I don't have the answers. <laughs> don't find me out. I don't have the answers to anything. So, um, Like as a coach, it's something that is like an ongoing process for me and like developing systems to better kind of make decisions on this. Is, is still a working process but like how do you intuit that because like there's i guess i suppose the way that i would do it for someone or for myself is like okay i need to run a marathon in seven weeks okay i need to build myself up to like a certain amount of volume xyz um mm. um but then I, i'm just like curious around like your process of like what does that feel like? Say you were in that process yourself, you're doing that, writing that for yourself, you're going to do a marathon. Like what does that intuition process look like for you? Yeah, like in terms of how I'm making those decisions with what I'm putting in the training outside of just like the progression of it. Yeah. Physiologically. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think so... I think it's it's really like delving into like where your mind's at, you know? I think there's like a lot of, you know, trends you can pick up in your training when you reflect, like having a reflection process, whether that's with a coach or with yourself or whatever, I, I think that's where you can start to pick up. You know, it's almost like what we did the other day. We sort of went through and like identified some limiting beliefs in, in our like business progression and, and us as coaches. And I think when you do that with like noticing common trends in training 
outside of um, like not talking about like physiological metrics, like, uh, okay, you're getting sick every three weeks, whatever, we're probably overreaching a bit. Mm. Um, or like your knees are blowing up, whatever. But if you can like see where your mind goes in different situations and also how you view yourself in those situations as well, mm. then that can kind of give you an idea of how to make those decisions of, okay, I need to really like go and hurt myself today or mm. is that going to be beneficial? Because like, yeah, totally. I, I think that you can get it really wrong and I mm. could write a session, like a pain session, kind of like, you know, pain tolerance session, whatever for a client and they won't be in the right space mentally and mm. it'll fuck them up. Like mm. no doubt I've made that mistake before. I'll, I'll totally admit that. But to make good decisions around that, because this is where I think it's really getting into like the, the needle point of excellent coaching because mm. you have, you know, you're starting to know either with yourself or we'll talk about it with like a client. Cause I think that's an easier example, but you, you know where that, like how that person responds to different things on a psychological level mm. and how they develop self construct within like if they're, you know, their athletic self or like, um you know how they find value with with their efforts and things like that you know if, mm. if do they really value challenge and things like that um <clears throat> so i don't know if i'm really answering the question here but um i think yeah that the the sorry the launch pad i was talking about was that reflection process of um yeah like just how did the, you know, how the session go? How did it feel like, do you feel like on track with this? Um, noticing like, you know, maybe there's an undertone of like, if you notice that there's an undertone of like someone's backing off for a while and like they're okay physiologically, like, you know, you, you sort of run through, okay, your checklist of like getting enough sleep, getting enough nutrition, you know, work stress is managed um relationships are fine blah blah like they're an okay human right like they're good to go mm. um and then they're still backing off and you're like what's going on here like oh i feel like i'm really underperforming to my expectations mm. okay well like what are your expectations like let's reframe that a bit or it's like um i know i'm gonna do poorly like there's some there's some like narrative going on there where it's like they are just getting in their own way you know mm. like like we do frequently like yeah. fucking hell um but but it's it's like that default program you know like if you mm. like the, you know we're talking about earlier like your computer's real bogged down super slow there's like a bunch of shit running in the background that's just like automated and you don't notice that until things get either really bad or you actually put under the microscope and be like okay what's going on here and yeah. I feel like that's like a lot of your belief system is just it's so automatic and like a lot of that will will stay like that unless you have those catalysts to actually force change or like, and that that's where, you know, coming back to like movement coaching and strength coaching, that's why those, vet, I think that's, that vessel is so like deeply important to us as coaches is like movement is that vessel to change yourself. Mm. and when you know how to really work with someone with training then it changes their whole life like you can change their whole Perception mind or, 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, um, I don't know if there is like an, an answer for that. I, I think it's just like knowing how to work with, you know, you got to like wrangle with your own mind a bit and, or like you're helping someone else wrangle with theirs kind of thing. Like it's like this crazy, like really angry monkey that's like fanging around in its cage, <laughs> like just desperately trying to just like wrestle him down and be like, shut the fuck up. Just stop feeding me useless information. <laughs> um, fuck, if you can learn how to do that. You, mm. you'd be like an elite performer in whatever you want to do yeah like, yeah that's what i was just thinking and like uh one thing that came up for me as i asked the question before was like the quieter you can get mm. the more noise you can reduce and the more attentive you can be the more able you'll be able to make better decisions 100 percent couldn't and, agree with that yeah more. i think the computer one is a prime example like i was saying before we jumped on this yeah my computer is so slow at the moment because i've just got shit everywhere <laughs> and it's just so disorganized and i think like it's that is kind of like where i'm at at the moment as well yeah yeah like just with life and like I'm okay with that. at least i'm aware of it it's okay <laughs> it's almost worse like it's like you're operating like chaos and then you start to become aware of it, especially if you're someone who like, you know, we're pretty engaged in our own experience of life. But the, there's so much pain that comes with that because oh. you're like, I'm such an idiot and I don't know how to change it. Yeah. And now I have to do something to fix it. <laughs> oh, fuck. Like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to close these tabs, but I'm aware that these tabs are running and like... <laughs> Just like you just feel like smashing your computer to pieces and buying yeah. one, but you can't, like, you gotta deal with it, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess there's like a meta skill, and and like I was, I was thinking as you were talking before as well, like the um, what's that? The like the monsters under the bed will always be there, yeah, yeah, and what's it that saying it's like the devil the devil you know is better than the one that you don't yeah yeah and i think that that's what that's it's it's weird that we're talking about this in terms of like physical training but it's so apparent is mm. that's where you end up working with when you when you're trying to change something yeah is those underlying software patterns that are just built into your system are just like always going to be governing your decisions, always going to be governing your actions. And like, you might not be aware of them because they've been running for like 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Mm. And like getting to know that is actually a really important process of becoming a better physical performer or whatever you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, I guess I, from like a coach perspective, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily at a place at the moment. And I want like, I, it's something that I'm working towards where I can like meet people on that, mm. you know? And I think that's like, A, it requires a lot of time, trust, rapport and all these things. It's not going to happen in the first session. Totally, and yeah. That's kind of how I look at my coaching process now. It's like, I'm, I'm almost just like, 
I'm starting where they're at and like seeing where they're at and then just mm. trying to guide them in a direction that they want to go, but also kind of probe and, and start to unlock these sort of thought processes as well, because it, I know at the end of the day, it's going to be so much more rewarding than them just like PRing a back squat or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Dude, hundred percent. Even like a client I've been working with recently for the past, uh, four months maybe five i think it's been about four months but yeah it just started with her like very um just like not basic training but just like just sticking to just focusing on the training kind of thing and like just getting into good habits and you know basic optimization around pushing towards her goals but then <clears throat> had a call with her like the other day on sunday or wherever it was and was like and, you know, now that we've built up a bit of rapport, like she's PB'd a few lifts and like we've sort of built that trust that like I I know what I'm doing kind of thing. Mm. Um, now it's like, okay, I, we set this. So she has to do a run on uh, Friday that, well, it's like the back end of the week anyway. But it's just, a, it's called like a commitment run where we just set up this thing that, even if she feels like shit that she just goes, she just runs for five minutes. Like mm. all she has to do is go out and run five minutes. And if she, if she gets that five minutes, like, and she legitimately is still feeling like shit and she just needs to call it, she just runs back and it's like a 10 minute run. So it's like a five minute out and back. But if she gets five minutes and she's like feeling okay, then she just keeps running and like checks in another five minutes. And so it becomes this process of like, regardless of how she's feeling, she still goes and does a run or the jog or whatever. It doesn't need to be like a, a run. But the thing there is like, it starts to facilitate a process of learning whether it is just your mind holding you back or if it's like, okay, no, I actually need to rest. I'm run down or I'm like, you know, I need more sleep or whatever it is. Mm. Um, but there's no way I could have set that session for her at the start you know <laughs> like if i said yeah. that like you know first week of training and like i'm like okay we're gonna do this like you know like um this commitment run she would be like uh okay like <laughs> I need another coach <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah just like just because i because like something like that like for her will prove to her that she can just keep showing up even like because she's had a you know bunch of shit that's been like you know just let's say just holding her back in training from a lot of different angles over the past few years really and i think when you're dealing with someone who's had that kind of experience then they just will naturally want to pull back there's a bit of a default like that you know program that's running in their head like that's naturally or sorry the default for that program is going to be limiting you know like it's not gonna want them to push and i think then it stops them from growing in other aspects as well mm. so it's like this is like the code we've inserted mm. to this program to like break the program it's like i need to figure out okay what's the bit of like what's the code i need to write to start to break this process for this person so they can fuck off that limiting belief or whatever, or whatever the narrative is mm. and just start to realize that there's a different way that they can do it and there's a different mode they can operate. And then it's like, it starts installing that system in them. Yeah. And then that's their mode of operation. Mm. Yes. And even tying, 
tying back to that like outlier thing, I think that's what those guys do really well. Like they figure out how to break that and they install, they literally have like different software, you know, yeah. in their heads. Yeah. A, um, a teacher that I've done some work with in the past framed this as like, you're essentially using your physical practice to practice the person you want to become. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And every time you show up, it's like, like, what person do I want to be? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that can be like a really good starting point for people to choose what they do, like, in terms of training, mm. you know? Like- oh, totally. Yeah. And I guess like that, it's also like a process of, of awareness. Like you start to know yourself mm. through that. You start to not like learn about your motivations and desires. And like, mm. yeah, maybe you do want to just practice being the sexiest of all time. So you just do <laughs> banded glute exercises to the cows come home and like heaps <laughs> of abs or something. But at least then it's like, okay, I know myself, I know my motivations. And if you kept going to the gym every day and that was your like thing, I want to be the sexiest of all time. And you got in one day and you're like, I don't want to be the sexiest of all time. This has been a hoax. You know, I want to run across Australia instead. Yeah. Like at least you're having that conversation versus it just being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The sexiest of all time. What I'm a speaking goal. about my current desires. <laughs> <laughs> What's your training goals at the moment? Well, I want to be the sexiest of all time in history. Human in history. history. <laughs> Objectively speaking. <laughs> yeah. God damn, that guy's sexy. That's what I want people to say when they walk down the street. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want that goal? Like, realistically speaking, anyone yeah. on the planet would say that they would yeah. like that goal. Yeah, well, it's, it's so hardwired into our, like... Our, our, ourselves you know <laughs> gotta, gotta look sexy strive to be sexy yeah man i guess fuck that's why the supplement industry is so rife with um with crazy shenanigans but yeah it does yeah i think yeah i really like what you said earlier about um how did you i, I don't want to misquote it what did you say again the practice the person you want to become practice the person you want to become yeah because even like i had a session the other day like last week that that fucking dumbbell snatch and ski workout you wrote um i did that like after class and then i like pushed pretty hard in class and it was good but then did that session that was just like it just felt like a beat down the whole time Mm. but it got like um i got like three calls way through and like i just had this crazy like i was moving pretty slow and whatever but i just was like pushing through regardless and yeah, had this crazy rush of like almost like relief that I stuck with the session. So I know, I know for myself, like if I had gone home after class and just called it, I would have been like, mm, I probably should have done that session, you know, like that. I, I you kind of get to know like when, like when you've not even when you've done enough, but like when you've done the right thing, like in regards to like training for a goal or like, you know, what you need to be doing in training. And uh, that kind of resonates with what you just said, because it's like, 
I know I'm someone that can push. And if I don't remind myself of that, then I won't become someone who can push anymore. Mm. You know, because it's easy to forget. Like if I'm just sitting at home all day working on my laptop and I'm like, oh, I'm feeling a bit shit. I might not train. Yeah. Then you start to believe that. And yeah. I feel like this has happened to me heaps of times over the past Man. couple of years. Yeah. And it's just like, unless you go and remind yourself, then like, of course, it's going to be a different operation. You know, like it's going to be a different mode of operation for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. A useful, I'm pretty sure we actually did this with, um, so, so this lady, her name's Soishi. She's actually, she just moved to Hobart. So. Oh, they, really? Yeah. Yeah. What is she, she like a movement teacher? Movement teacher. She used to work at Praxis in Canberra. Yeah. I think you've told me about her before. Um, but yeah. Continue. But yeah. I think we actually, I can't remember exactly the process, but I'm going to, I'm going to make it up. Um, as if we did it because I feel like we did something similar. But at the start of this like workshop, it was, we like did a written exercise and it was basically you wrote your values down in terms of like activities that you did. So it was like, or like the things that you value doing. So for me, it was like, I value um, like cooking and spending time or cooking and, and, and making delicious meals for loved ones so that I show that, that I can show them that I care about them. Mm. Um, I value surfing because it is like a way that I get to express myself physically, but also I get to spend a lot of time in nature and I really value that as a person. And I basically Mm. like, I think it was like 10 things or something you could write down. And then afterwards it was allocating. We basically went through, I'm not sure if we did it in like minutes or hours, but you, you put down how many, hours or minutes you spent actually doing those things like over a week or something like or- yeah it was like say it was a week let's say it's a week time frame and like the mm-hmm. the sort of confronting realization was all the mm-hmm. things that i value so much in life i spend like next to no time doing you know like i spend a, yeah. a bit of time doing but in like the grand scheme of things, like if they're mm. the things that I really value out of life and the, that like essentially I was like writing the person that I want, like the person mm. that I have this vision for myself as. Mm. And the realization was like, holy shit, I'm not that person. Yeah. I like yeah. to think of myself as being that person and maybe like on Instagram or whatever, like I project being that person because it's how I want other people to perceive me. But in reality, I'm like, I'm not practicing that person. That's like not who I actually Mm. am expressing and like sitting there then it's like okay then i have a point of going all right i and that like kind of frames the practice the person you want to become like your life becomes this expression of practicing those things because that's the person who i feel i most deeply am Mm. yeah man that's a super powerful exercise i think and it's so like it's just so evident that that's like yeah the, it's it's crazy right because i i'm just thinking like to myself now like all the things that i really value like yeah I spend not much time doing them, yeah you know? yeah and and yeah i think there's like that yeah you sort of uh, even even this morning i woke up and i was thinking about work and shit in the shower and i was thinking like okay, what do I need to be focusing on today and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know, my mind tends to wander around too much for me to focus on one particular thing. But 
one sort of way I was trying to optimize that is by thinking about what a world-class, like one of the best coaches in the world would do and like what that would look like. Mm. And then figuring out how far off that am I like, Mm. and what behaviors do I need to change? Mm. So it's like what you just said, right? Like, Mm. you know, like what's the, it's like your high, like your peak, your peak expression of yourself, whatever. And then like you're existing like below that. Yeah. Like you figuring out what decisions or maybe, maybe decisions is the wrong, wrong word, but like what actions you need to take to move yourself towards that, Mm. you know? And um, yeah, unless you go through that active process, then you just, you like your default mode network is like, is just existing as, as like who you are. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's the, <clears throat> the process of becoming a realized being like you're, you're actualizing those things. You're actualizing your potential. Mm. And even to tie back into like a training example, like that session that, did, that you wrote, um, I was like taking that action to do like to push and like do the session and, and it was like, I think that relief came from like, okay, I'm like, that is actually moving me closer to who I want to become or like, you know, the closer to like the values thing. Mm. Um, yeah. To like that peak expression and, and like figuring out what those actions look like across your life, whether it's just in athletic pursuits or business or relationships or whatever, or just like how you want to operate in the world. It is like, it is a really like it has to be an active process, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, like training is like a really beautiful platform for that because you can start to reverse engineer it a bit by the actions you take with like just little decisions in training or yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't even need to be like on the pushing side of things. Like, you know, always pushing, but just like how you operate with like dealing with those emotions that come up in training and competition and, yeah just shit like that mm. yeah i feel like there's a bit of meat for me to chew on here <laughs> it's a we've gone through a bit of meat that's for sure <laughs> uh, if if our regular podcasts are like a nice ham sandwich this would be like a christmas ham we've just we've just done. <laughs> slabbed on the table good luck yeah I don't even have any takeaways for this one because I'm just trying to fucking figure it out myself, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I think one thing that I'm kind of taking away from this conversation is like a lot of the times I have so much stuff I need to do, want to do, and like I'll either just like jump straight into it and I'll just be like in the motions of doing the things. And this is like, it ha- it's happening for me in training mode. I'm just like, oh, I'll just, yeah, you know, do that, whatever. Mm. Versus like probably the most potent thing I could do at the moment is just really slow down. Like maybe just say no to a lot of things, reduce my, like the amount of things I'm trying to do, like just really pull it back and then try to come back to that place. Maybe go through that exercise again and be like, okay, who am I trying to become? Like, what is that version of myself that mm. I want to be? And I, I, I think I am. And like, what are the, the most actionable steps I can take at the moment? And then go from there versus going from like reacting to all this stimulus that's in front of me that I, yeah, like I could just keep doing that 
like and existing as you said before for like like I could do that for the rest of my life right like you could feel mm. like sort of in the thing enough and you see that I see that all the time with like it's super prevalent in like a lot of circles that I've run in the past and like I see it heaps in Sydney and like yeah you just get so caught up in the busyness of life mm. that you forget who you actually are yeah 100% yeah there you, you, re- you really do <laughs> see you next week folks <laughs> <laughs>